How are you? All right, you doing good? Is this, is this Easter? You are, you're here. You're already here. Are you excited about Easter? That's the Super Bowl, isn't it? That's the World Series. We want to get fired up and ready for Easter. What a great day that is going to be. Well, I want you to look at the last week of Jesus' life. If you're brand new this morning, we're doing a message series called A Week's Notice. And I want to put this on the, on the screen for you. This is the events. These are the events that took place the last week of Jesus' life. And I don't know if you've connected these dots or not, but about half of the gospel of Mark is right here. A third of Matthew, Luke, and John are right here. All these incredible events. So we started off the week with Monday, and we talked about how Jesus cleared the temple. We uh, went to Tuesday and talked about how Judas agreed to betray last week. Jonathan did Thursday. It's interesting. The Bible does not record any events of Jesus on Wednesday. I think he hung out at Starbucks. That's what I think he did on that Wednesday. You know he was busy. The Bible just doesn't record anything on that, la- on that last Wednesday. And you see that on Friday, Jesus is crucified. Uh, and, of course, today is Palm Sunday when he came into the, into the uh, great city of Jerusalem. Now, there were some amazing breakthroughs that took place from Friday to Sunday morning. In fact, the greatest breakthroughs in all of history took place from Friday to Sunday. If you think about it, the breakthroughs that took place, the breakthroughs over your three greatest problems. Your three greatest problems are sin, sorrow, and death. Those are your three greatest problems. It's not a date to the prom. It's not passing chemistry. Your three greatest problems are sin, sorrow, and death. And on that week, the last week of Jesus' life, he offered those breakthroughs for you and for me. Now, here's what I know. I know that we all share something in common this morning, and that is every one of us in this room are always asking and looking for breakthroughs. We may be Republicans, we may be Democrats, we may be independents, we may be tea partiers, we may be rich, we may be poor, we may have a great education, we want to hope that we can get into college. It doesn't really matter where you are this morning, there's something that every one of us shares in common. And we're all in this room looking for breakthroughs. If we were to ask you individually, and we had time, everybody in this room could stand up one at a time and share what's the most pressing issue on your mind or your heart today. For some of you, the most pressing breakthrough on your mind are some health issues. You don't feel good. You've got aches and pains. Your neck hurts. Your back hurts. Or you've got the dreaded C word. You've got cancer and you've got to deal with this. Some of you in this room have some health breakthroughs that you need God or something or somebody to pull through for you. For some of you in this room, it's maybe not health. For some of you in this room, maybe it's finances or maybe it's vocation. You want a job or you want a better job or you want a new job or you want to work more hours or you want to work fewer hours or your breakthrough needs to be an abundance of work or your breakthrough needs to be a little slowdown of work. But everybody in the room Without exception, there is some pressing need on your heart today, and you're asking God. Maybe it's relational. 
Maybe there's a relational breakthrough. You've been married for over 12 years, and 11 and a half of those years have been rough. It's not been good. It's not been great. It's been awful. And you're asking somehow, somewhere, for God to give you a relational breakthrough. Everybody in the room, we all share that one thing in common. We're all so different and diverse and different backgrounds, but we all share this today that we're all looking for breakthroughs. Now, Jesus tells this amazing story, and the disciples were trying to fix somebody, and the disciples weren't able to fix them. And they come back and they ask Jesus about this, and Jesus said, well, let me be real honest with you. You're not going to be able to fix that without combining fasting with prayer or prayer with fasting. Remember that? When Jesus said, this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. What was Jesus saying? Jesus was saying that there is something supernatural. There's a supernatural release of God's power when you combine fasting with prayer or prayer with fasting. When the two of those go together, there's something incredibly supernatural. So this Friday, the elders and the pastors of Harborside, we're calling for a public fast. Aren't you glad you came to church this morning? Get the apple fritters before Friday, okay? Aren't you glad you came here this morning? We're calling for a public fast because every one of you in this room has a need for a breakthrough. And this week and on Friday, we're going to ask you to fast and to pray for other people. We have a guide for you we're going to give to you, but we also want you to pray for you and your breakthrough that needs to take place. So I want to talk about fasting for a few minutes this morning. I want to talk about it because it's probably one of the least talked about subjects in the Bible. And yet when you begin to look at the scriptures and you begin to connect the dots, you begin to see dozens and dozens and dozens of fasts in the Bible. Some were public, some were private. Some were one day, some were 40 days. And I I just want you to know, we're in really good company today when we talk about fasting. In fact, just kind of going through the Rolodex, a quick Rolodex of the Bible, Barnabas. Barnabas fasted for guidance. Barnabas and Paul were getting ready to be set out, and they were going to go to city to city to city to city and share the gospel with people who'd never heard the gospel before. And the first thing Barnabas does is he fasts, and he asks God for guidance. In the book of Daniel, we learn about young Daniel. In the book of Daniel, we see two different fasts. One was a 21-day fast. One was a 10-day fast. And they were both for different purposes. King David, before he was even the king, he often wrote about and talked about fasting and how he had so many enemies. He had enemies all around him. And David was always fasting for protection from his enemies. Elijah, after the encounter with Jezebel, and he was fleeing from his life. I think it's kind of funny, my unsanctified sense of humor. Every man should fast from wicked women. But here's Elijah, and he is fasting after running away from Jezebel. You've got Esther, Queen Esther. 
And Haman wants to annihilate all the Jews. And Esther calls for a three-day fast. And she makes a public fast for all of her nation to fast against, against Haman. And you know, Haman got hung on the very rafters that were meant for her cousin Mordecai. Ezra. In the book of Ezra, Ezra fasts for the intermarriage issue. I mean, my goodness, how relevant is that for us today? You look on the news every day, there's a Democrat supporting gay marriage, there's a Republican supporting gay marriage, there's all these people wanting to get voted back into office, and they've missed the boat. They've missed the vote entirely. It's not a Republican issue, it's not a Democratic issue, it's a God issue. God created male, female, he made them in his likeness, and he put them in the garden, and he asked them to procreate and to populate the world. How can a woman and a woman procreate? How can a man and a man procreate? I'm not real smart, but eighth grade health, help me with this answer. I got this figured out. You see, and and, and it's such a relevant issue. In Ezra, they were fasting. Their nation was fasting over the whole marriage issue. Ezra also called a public fast. He called a public fast for, for purity for the land. You can just see then, you go to Jesus. Jesus fasts for 40 days. And some people say, well, you know, he fasted so that he could be strong. They totally missed that. Jesus was strong so that when the serpent came to him and tempted him three different times, he was strong. Fasting makes you stronger. Fasting isn't so you can get strong. Fasting makes you strong. And Jesus fasted for 40 days and for 40 nights. You see, Joel, Joel calls a fast, and he fasts so that the people would have purity and confession of heart. Moses fasted 10, different, 10, 10 days in a row as he would then begin to write the Ten Commandments. Really easy to remember. He fasted 10 days and then he wrote the Ten Commandments. And when you fast biblically, here's the point. Look at this screen. When you fast biblically, you release more of God's power in your life. And I'm speaking to people today who need breakthroughs. You want breakthroughs. You may want breakthroughs with your children. You may need a breakthrough with taking care of aging parents. You may need a breakthrough. You can just fill in the lists. I need my husband to become a Christian. I need my, my, my daughter to come back to Christ. Everybody in this room is in need of some incredible spiritual breakthroughs. And here's the gift. And here's the promise. When you fast biblically, you see, it's got to be food. I've heard people talk about, well, you know, I'm going to fast for the computer. Well, that's good. I'm going to fast from TV. That's good. I'm going to fast from fishing. That's not in the Bible. That's not God's will. That is not God's will. That is not in there. It's got to be food. It's got to be food. And if it isn't food, then it isn't the right kind of fast. It's just doing without something. You see, here's the point. If it doesn't mean something to you, it won't mean anything to God. If it doesn't mean something to you, if it's not something, something, some significant food in your life, then it really won't mean something to God. And so here's what we're going to do on Friday. It's a public fast. Maybe you can't do without all foods. Maybe you just do without certain foods. Maybe it's desserts, or maybe it's Starbucks coffee, or maybe it's sweets. But I'm going to ask those of you that can... And again, some of you are on medication, some of you cannot do this. But those of us that can, I'm going to ask us all day Friday to fast without no food. 
Maybe it's juices. Maybe it's lots and lots of water. It's not maybe. It's lots of water. But fasting without food. And then on Friday night, we're going to have a good Friday service here at 7 o'clock. And we're going to break the fast together in Holy Communion. It's going to be a great service this, this Friday night. Then we're going to go out in the lobby, and we've got cheese and bread. And, and last year, you guys went out there, and you didn't take a little bit of bread. You took like a whole loaf of bread after we fasted. Because we're hungry. We're hungry. I don't know what I was thinking. I went to Poblano's, the Mexican restaurant. Man, I thought I had World War III going on last Friday night. A year ago on a Friday night. So here, here's what we're trying to say. We're doing a public fast this Friday. You don't have to do this. This is voluntary. You're still going to, get to go to heaven if you've accepted Jesus. If you don't do it, we're not saying that. But for those of us that want to break through, and for those of us that want to pray for something, for God to do something great in our life, we want to pray and pray and pray. And just remember, it's not just the fasting part that's significant. It's the prayer part. If you do without food on Friday and you don't fast and you don't pray, rather, you just went on a diet. That's kind of dumb, really, okay? It's a hard way to try to lose some weight, and it doesn't work. So the, the point is, during those times of meals, breakfast, lunch, and maybe mid-afternoon, is you pray. You pray about your issue. You pray about your breakthrough. You pray about what God wants you to do. Now, half of you are convinced, and the other half of you are looking for another church. So I want to give you five reasons right now why fasting is, is a significant or should be a significant part of your life. Then I'm going to make some application to you that I think is going to rock your world. So I hope you're still with me, and I hope you're not too hungry, okay? Here we go. Um, but before, even before I do that, though, I, I want to make this comment. <clears throat> why food? What, why, why, is, why do you fast food? Well, if you stop and you think about it, what you are doing is you are dethroning King's stomach. You're putting King's stomach back in its place. And when you dethrone King's stomach and you put this whole thing back in perspective, there's a sensitivity to God's spirit. There's a sensitivity to be able to hear from God. There, there's an ability that you will have to release more of God's presence and more of God's power in your life. Why food? The first sin was with food. Adam and Eve sinned with food. It was the very first sin that ever took place. It was involved over food. Esau sold his birthright over a pot, a porridge of, of, of stew, pot of stew. It would have been better for Esau to have died than to have sold that port of, of stew to, to his brother. It would now be the, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Esau had he not done that. But as it is, God is known as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? All right, so here's five reasons. If you want to fill in notes in your bulletin, I'm going to give you some blanks to fill in. Number one, it's biblical and it is expected. It, it is biblical. I don't know if you've ever noticed this or not, but Jesus in Matthew chapter 6 he doesn't say, if you fast, and he doesn't say, if you pray, and he doesn't say, if you give. Now, if you're a brand new Christian, and you were to ask me, what are like three or four or five, what are the pillars of, of duties or activities of a Christian? Matthew chapter 6 talks about these very clearly. Matthew chapter 6 lists three things that every Christian should do. Every Christian should pray. Every Christian should give, and every Christian should fast. 
Jesus doesn't say, if you pray, if you give, if you fast. Here's what Jesus says. When you give, when you pray, when you fast. What is Jesus saying? It's just an expectation. This is just something that you do. He says, when you give to the needy, he says, when you do it. Look at the next verse, verse 5. He says, and when you pray, when you give, when you pray. I want to drop down to verse 16. And when you fast. Jesus doesn't say, hey, maybe you get around to it. If you get around to it, maybe you should pray a little bit. Maybe you should give a little bit. Maybe you should fast a little bit. No, no, no. Jesus never says if. I want you to see that today. If you're new to church, you've not been to church in 40 years, and you're not really sure you want to continue in church, and you're asking, what is it that, that I need to do? There are three pillars to the, to the church. Praying, giving, and fasting. It's this third component that we don't talk about very, very much. It is an expectation from Jesus. Look at Luke chapter 5, verse 33. Luke chapter 5, verse 33, they said to him, well, John's disciples, they often fast. Now, who's John? John the the Baptist. John's disciples often fast and pray, and so do the disciples of the Pharisees. But but Jesus, I mean, you guys are throwing a party. I, I don't get this, but yours go on eating and drinking. Jesus answered, can you make the friends of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? In other words, if you're having a wedding, you're not going to fast through a wedding. You're going to celebrate in a wedding, right? Can you make the guests, can you make the friends of the bridegroom fast while he's with them? But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. In those days, they will what? That's today. That's today. We're living in those moments today. And so fasting is biblical and it is expected. It's just not talked about a whole lot in our American culture. It's talked about in other cultures. It's talked about in other uh, Christian cultures all over the world. But it's not something that we put on our radar screen very, very much. All right, number two. Here's number two. Fasting releases more of God's power in your spirit and in your soul. Now, fasting is not fun. Fasting is not easy. Fasting is not for the strong. Fasting is not for the spiritual. Fasting is for the common. Fasting is for the weak. Fasting is for those who are fragile. Fasting is for those who spiritually hunger and thirst for more of God in their lives. Fasting is for those people that say, deep calls out to deep. I want more of God in my life. I want to know God. I want to experience God. I want to walk with God. I want more of God in my life. This is what fasting does. It just puts everything in perspective. Fasting releases more of the power of God in your life. Joel tells us about this. Joel chapter 2 verse 28. I will pour out my spirit on all people. And this is what we want. We want God to pour out his spirit on us. Number three, it makes you stronger by practicing self-denial. You know how in your life, when you have some of those good habits, and those good habits make you feel better about yourself? Yeah? You got any good habits? Okay. And, and you, know how, you know how those bad habits 
Don't make us feel better about ourselves. Don't give us more strength. See, there's something about practicing self-denial about something that we need three or four times a day that makes us incredibly stronger. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24 says this. Then Jesus said to the disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. Luke chapter 14, verse 33. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything cannot be my disciples. The Christian life is marked by discipline and practicing self-denial. That is a component of who we are. Number four, fasting allows you to more clearly hear the voice of God in, in your life. Fasting allows you to more clearly hear the voice of God in your life. In Second Chronicles chapter 20, there's this amazing story where the king of Judah is in a big-time trouble. The king of Judah is about to get nailed. He's in trouble, and he calls for a fast. He calls for the whole nation to come and fast because he doesn't know what to do. Here's Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 2. Some people came and told Jehoshaphat, this is the, one of the kings of Judah, a vast army is coming against you from Edom. From the other side of the Dead Sea, it is already in Hazan, Tamar, that is in Gedi. Verse 3. Alarmed, who, who wouldn't be alarmed, right? Vast armies coming against you. Joseph resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all of Judah. All of Judah then began to fast. And it talks about the women, the children, the teenagers, the men, the warriors, the soldiers, the uh, leaders, everybody fasted. God, we don't really know what to do. We're fasting for help. Verse 13, chapter 20, verse 13 says this. All the men of Judah, with their wives, their children, their little ones, they stood there before the Lord. They're fasting before the Lord. And then the Spirit of the Lord came on Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of whoever. Go to the next verse. Can't pronounce all those names anyway. A Levite. I got that. A descendant of Asaph. And this guy stands in the assembly and he says, listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem. See, the fast moved the spirit of God. And the fast then God came and showed up to this one guy. And this one guy is going to tell everybody what the Lord wants them to do to deliver them. This is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, march down against them. They will be climbing up the pass of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the, of the gorge in the desert of Jeruel. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your position, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be what? The Lord will be with you. Wow. Joseph bowed down with his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down in worship. Then some Levites from the Kohathites and the Korites, they stood up and they praised God, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. Do you realize what just happened? They didn't have to fight. They start singing. They bring out the choir. The Navy SEALs are at home. They bring out the choir. God says, all you need to do now is offer praise to me, and the battle is yours. The battle is your, the point is, they called for a public fast. The point is, they were asking God. 
You look at what Jesus says in John, John chapter 10, I think verse 27. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. One more. Number five, you sink your spirit. You sink it. You sink your spirit and you sink your soul to the Holy Spirit. Isn't that cool? Ephesians chapter 5, 8 through 10 gives us some more insight. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness. And find out what pleases the Lord. Find out what pleases the Lord. How are you going to know what pleases the Lord if you don't ask him? All right, so now I'm coming to you, okay? I'm coming to you. I'm going to apply this to you. We're going to talk about you for just a couple minutes. But give me 30 seconds to just kind of recap this. As you look throughout the entire Bible, there were public fasts, there were private fasts. There were fasts that were one day, there were fasts that were three days. There were fasts that were seven days. There were fasts that were 10 days. There were fasts that were 21 days. There were fasts that were 40 days. There were fasts for health. There was fast for armies. There was fast for guidance. There was fast for the spreading of the gospels. There was fast for intermarriage. There were all these different types of fasts, but they all come back to one issue. We need God to show up. We need supernatural activity in our lives from God. And here's the question. What price are you willing to pay for supernatural activity of God to be in your life? That's really what it boils down to. How much of God do you want to be released in your life? Well, let's think about this for just a couple of minutes. So on Friday, we're going to ask you to fast from all food if you can. If you're on medicine, you can't. Or maybe that's a day you've already got meals planned for the family. Then pick another day this week. Just pick another day. Drink lots of water, apple juice, orange juice, whatever. But, but let's say you put your thing in front of God, your breakthrough in front of God. And, and maybe it's about, let's say you've been given an opportunity to move somewhere. Let's just be real practical here. How many people really stop and fast before they consider moving? Well, I got this great job opportunity. It's going to offer me 25% more salary. You know, my response to that as a pastor is, So, I've seen people move all the time. I've seen some of the greatest mistakes of all time, people moving for a 25% pay increase. I've seen people move to be closer to families, and it's absolute disaster. Not because it's family. (laughs) There's a sermon in that, too. Because it wasn't God's will. It wasn't. How will you know if God wants you to do something? If you're going to get ready to take a great big move, when you moved here, how did you know this was God's will? Was this God's will for your life? If you're getting ready, if if you're ready to move somewhere, uproot your family, and you haven't fasted for one day, three days, seven days, or ten days, my goodness, you're just winging this and and just maybe throwing up a few prayers. But how do you know? You say, Kurt, can you know? Absolutely you can know. And if you don't know, then you keep on fasting and praying until you get the answers. God is not a God of confusion. God is not a God of, 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 of misunderstanding. God is going to give you incredible clarity. You're dating somebody. You've been dating somebody for a year. And you're about to get married. What if you fasted for seven days? If she still looks cute after seven days of fasting, 
She's the one, baby. She's the one. You still like his cool car after seven days of fasting? He's the one. Why wouldn't we pray and fast about something as important as marriage? Or you're considering getting a divorce. You've been married 10 years, five years, eight years. You, you think maybe, you know, this just, this, this just is not going to work out. If you came to me and said, you know what, my wife and I, we fasted for 21 days about this, and we're just convinced, both of us are convinced, that it's not God's will for us to live together, I, I would say you're the village idiot, but I would say, okay. Nobody's ever, ever, ever come to me fasting and saying, we're going to get a divorce. It, preacher, it just isn't working out. Nobody does that. Everybody gets a divorce because they can't make things work out on their own, in their flesh. Not one person in Pinellas County who's got a divorce, I bet you, not one person, not one couple has ever fasted for 10 or 15 or 20 days. Never. Not, not one. 32 years of ministry, I've never had anybody come to me and say, you know what, after seven-day fast, we've decided to get a divorce. It's never happened. Never ha- and you know why? It, it never will happen because that's not God's will for your life. Well, what about, like, if we're going to buy something? This, is, this truck is like it's on sale. This truck is a really good truck to have, and I really want this truck, and this truck just looks so good. Or, or this furniture is really, really on sale. Well, why don't you ask him? Why don't you spend time laying your needs before him? You see, there's something supernatural. But see, we don't do that. Here's what we do. We go buy something, or we go move, or we go marry, and then we ask God to bless. Right? That's God saying amen right there. I can hear it. God said amen. That's a power of the Holy Spirit, Joel 2.28, right there. That's what we do. What if before we moved or we married or we bought or we sold or we did, what if we actually spent time praying and fasting about something before we ever got involved? Would that make a significant difference in your life and in my life? What about sin? And there's sin that just, you know, we just, there's a hurt habit or hang up or there's something in our lives that we just can't seem to get rid of. We keep struggling with this. What if we kept fasting and fasting and praying about this hidden sin or this residual sin or this, this fault in our life? What if we kept asking God and asking God and asking God? You see, I, I, I want to say to you that until two years ago, I really did not understand fasting. Danita and I, two years ago, instead of going to one of these major church conferences I've been to for all these years, preacher's conferences, they tell you all these things you want to hear, we decided to go to four different churches. It was one of the greatest little conferences. She and I, we picked four different churches. Uh, They were all in Florida, uh, central Florida, the other coast of Florida. We went to four different churches, and I kid you not, the first three churches we went to, the sermons were all about, guess what? About, we walk into the third church, we look at the church bulletin, and we say, oh my goodness, you know, is God trying to tell us something here? Is God trying to get our attention with this? I, I, I want to tell you personally, there's been nothing in my life 
that has grown me closer to my Lord Jesus Christ than prayer and fasting. There's been nothing in my personal life that's connected me to my heavenly father. There's not the clutter. There's not all that stuff in the way. When Danita and I are fasting together and we've done some 21-day fasts together, we, we don't fast all food for 21 days. We fast certain things that mean something to us. If it doesn't mean something to you, it's not going to mean something to God. And I want to tell you, during those times of incredible spiritual breakthroughs, now not everything, we're asking God for some incredible things, and some of those things have come, come through. Some of those things have not come through yet. We're not demanding. We're not going to manipulate God. Fasting is not manipulating God. You and I cannot manipulate God. Nothing wrong with asking. Nothing wrong with asking. But at the end of the day, he is Jehovah. He is God. He is Lord. At the end of the day, he's still God over our lives. But we're taking those areas of our lives, family, finances, children, grandchildren we don't even know about. Our kids aren't even dating anybody. But we're praying about the future. We're praying about all those things in the future. Asking God for amazing and incredible breakthroughs. And we're expecting God to do that. And so this Friday, I'm going to ask you to take the prayer guide that's on the floor underneath you, or maybe it's in your chair. And there's a prayer guide, and there's a whole list of things to to pray for. And and you can put somebody else's name in those slots because we want you to pray for other people. But the first name in those slots that I want you to put is your name. Because every one of those things probably apply to you and they apply to me. And so if you would, don't, don't put... Kurt on each one of those. Put your name, okay? Put, put your name and then put somebody else's name. So you want to be praying for yourself, but you also want to be praying for somebody else to have a great spiritual breakthrough in their life. Now, just what if? What if this Friday, you spent all day Friday praying and fasting, fasting and praying? I, I, I got to work this Friday. You, some of you got to work Friday. And so what we're going to do on Friday is during breakfast and during lunch, maybe mid-afternoon, those of us that are working, we take that time that we will be eating normally and we just pray. Just take 15, 20 minutes and, and just lay those requests before your heavenly father. Then we're going to ask you to do this. We've got a, on the website, there's a little place on the website that you can punch down there. See, see it says fasting down there in the middle, down on the bottom. I want to hear about your fast. I'm going to ask you to write about your fast. Never fasted before. Thought Kurt was crazy. Here's how God showed up. I've been fasting for 25 years. I want to tell you about how God's worked in my life. This, this, I'd love for you to write us and tell us about your fast. Guys, I was praying for my husband to come on Good Friday. He's never come to church in 30 years. I fasted all day and he didn't come. But he promised me he was coming on Easter Sunday morning. I've been praying for my grandchild, my grandson. My grandson went off to college, got lost in college, got confused about Marxism and atheism and all that stuff. And he said, you know what? I've been praying for my grandson. And my grandson said, Dad, Grandfather, can we have a spiritual conversation? My marriage still isn't good. My marriage still isn't perfect. But God spoke and God revealed that i got to work on me. I'm trying to change him. I'm trying to change her. But God has convinced me through this fast that I'm the bigger problem. You have that kind of a breakthrough on a fast, and you have a remedy 
for spiritual harmony and spiritual maturity. God is calling us this Friday to have amazing spiritual, financial, health, relational, vocational, psychological, emotional breakthroughs in our life. Jesus said this kind only comes out by prayer and by fasting. So my question is, how hungry are you? How hungry are you for God to show up and to release more of his power in your life?